Okay, so Stu, how would you describe today's podcast? Um, do you ever go on like a really, really radical roller coaster yeah. with lots of loops um, <laughs> and no seatbelt? So it's like uh, one of those things where you want to die or vomit the whole time, but then you get off and you're like, I want to do that again. Riggs. Most of that, yes, I agree with. There's a bit of it I won't identify which part. I Today's podcast is uh, great. A lot of things uh, that we put together that I just don't think you're going to hear anyplace else. And then a solution. And in fact, it is the only solution um, that I can guarantee will work. And in fact, on yesterday's podcast, I think I said four or five times that there is something you must do or you will not survive. And lo and behold, uh, this guy who I had scheduled months before, maybe two months before, happened to be on today's program, and he had that exact how-to list. Um, So you don't want to miss today's podcast. Brought to you by Relief Factor. If you're one of the millions of Americans who suffer every day from pain, I want you to listen up. Only a couple of years ago, this broadcaster was standing here in lots and lots of pain. Owie, 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 that hurts, said he. Uh, if, uh, if you'd like the owie, owie, ow, uh, to stop, all you have to do is try Relief Factor. Try it. It's not a drug. It was developed by doctors, and you can get the three-week quick start to try for only $19.95. Now, 70% of the people who try it go on to order more, including this broadcaster. If you want a drug-free and natural way to get your life back, go to relieffactor.com. That's relieffactor.com. We now join the podcast already in progress. some real answers on today's show in uh in hour number two and hour number three this is hour number one if you happen to be uh uh listening in in the uh normal order uh thank you very much so much for joining us i want to give you a roadmap today uh and the roadmap uh, is just a i'm just going to drop a pin on where we are today and where we're headed. Just told you about the slippery slope and the things that are happening to your family and what the DOJ is doing about it, which is uh, worse than nothing. Now let me talk to you a little bit about something that came up over the weekend and I have been trying to figure it out and talk to some experts. It took me a couple of days to get, get to a place to where I could really explain it to you. Uh, One of the things that's happening in the market is you've got two big banks, Deutsche Bank and uh, Credit Suisse, that are about to default, or at least it looks like it. Let me take you back in history. Back in March 2020, right at the dawn of the COVID-19 panic, some interesting things happened on Wall Street. March 9th, the Dow Jones Industrial Average lost 2,000 points. That's more than a 10% crash in a single day. At the time, it was one of the largest single-day declines in the U.S. history of, uh, of stocks. More than $1.8 trillion was wiped out from the U.S. pensions and retirement funds in a single day. March 10th, 
the very next day, the Federal Reserve began making emergency loans to what were considered to be systematically important banks. That is, banks that are just too big to fail. Now, it's important to remember that we didn't learn about these emergency loans made during March of 2020, just as the WHO and the CDC were declaring a pandemic. We didn't learn about those loans until two years later because the Fed isn't they're no longer required to tell you who they're making loans to or for how much until two full years after it makes the loans. So they say that's not to make sure that nobody is panicking. Well, investors, if they knew in real time these banks needed cash, it would cause a run on the banks. So, for example, on March 9th, the Dow lost 2,000 points and more than 10% of its value. So on March 10th, and we know this now because two years have passed, the U.S. Federal Reserve made $112 billion in emergency loans to 24 banks. Stocks rebounded slightly. But then the first deaths started being reported from COVID at retirement homes. Trump canceled the international travel. And within a couple of days, stocks were down another 1,500 points, shedding $4 trillion in wealth from the portfolios of Americans in just a couple of days. For its part, the Fed continued lending, distributing a total of $1 trillion, $1 trillion in emergency loans to banks in just a six-day period. Remember... This is two weeks into the pandemic, well before businesses were shut down. At this point, all that had really happened to the economy was that stocks, you know, the forward-looking investment vehicle, were declining. But this was enough for the Fed to print $1 trillion in new currency and loan it out to the banks considered too big to fail. Not just our banks. No, no, not just the U.S. banks. Some of the largest borrowers in the past 20 years from emergency loans from our Federal Reserve have been foreign banks and investment firms. Uh, Nomura Securities out of Japan, BNC, Paribus, the French bank, Barclays Bank out of the UK. All of these are the largest borrowers from the Fed. So was the largest Swiss bank Credit Suisse? The largest Swiss bank, Credit Suisse, were they on that list? Oh, yeah. Just in six days from March 10th to March 16th, 2020, Credit Suisse requested and was granted $50 billion in emergency loans, more than 7% of the total that the Fed had loaned to 24 banks. But that was COVID, right? Now, it may seem odd that the Central Bank of the United States needed to loan the largest Swiss bank $50 billion in just a few days. Don't they have their own central bank? But let's just chalk it up to yet another COVID emergency. We had to do something. We had to bail out the largest banks in Japan, Switzerland, UK, France. I mean, it was a pandemic. So now fast forward to 2022. All those banks got their COVID bailout. In January 2022, the Dow Jones Industrial Average hit a new all-time high. So clearly, the bailouts worked, and the banks made all this money. The banks were able to recover and get past the pandemic, right? I mean, those trillions in loans to banks skyrocketed inflation and, uh, you know, added to the currency circulation and inflation is defined by, you know, too much currency, too much money chasing too few goods. But we saved the banks, right? 
We restored the stock market and set ourselves out to a record uh, recovery. Well, yesterday, Credit Suisse, flagged as the too-big-to-fail bank by the U.S. Federal Reserve, their stock hit an all-time low. They shed more than 65% of its value, losing 20% of its value in one day. Worse, investors are effectively betting now that Credit Suisse Suisse will go belly up next year. We know this because of, I hate to bring this word up, credit default swaps. Not going to get, you know, I'm not going to get all big short on you. But this is when you have the bonds and you think, "Uh oh, I think we might lose. The bank might go out. I buy an insurance policy. Okay, credit default and I swap. I swap what I'm holding. I give it to you and I get the insurance money. Okay, credit default swaps. It's a way to bet on the down. It's horrible. But now. 30%, 30%, it went up, These the price to insure, in, to insure went up 25% yesterday. Yesterday. 30% of people are now betting that Credit Suisse is going to collapse. So what's going on? Why would it collapse? Again, I'm not going to go into all of this stuff. I just need you to understand the big points, and you will understand. This, this will take your breath away. Again, remember, we all talked about credit default swaps and derivatives. Oh, derivatives. Oh, that's horrible. Without getting into all of that, remember when we said that the global deliver, uh, uh, derivatives market after 2008 started going back up again. And it surpassed what happened in 2008. And the global derivatives market was about $100 trillion. And we were like, $100 trillion? That's horrible. And we raised the alarm. They haven't learned anything. In fact, it's gotten worse. Then it rose to $500 trillion just a couple of years ago. And we raised the alarm again. Any idea... Where the derivatives market is right now. After two years of pandemic, two years of Biden inflation, and after stocks have lost 20% of their value since January, where's the derivative market? One quadrillion dollars. No way out. One quadrillion, that's $1,000 trillion. That's what's held by the 24 largest banks in the world. $1,000 trillion. You haven't even begun to feel the pain of what these people have done. Derivatives have been around since the 1920s, but we have gone insane now last year when a private wealth fund defaulted it cost the global banks more than 11 billion dollars in derivatives losses more than 5 billion was absorbed by credit suisse bank that's nearly half the global losses of one firm that just had 11 billion 
We're, we have one quadrillion. Now, if I'm you, I could easily say it's a you know, German bank or a Swiss bank, and it's not my problem. But it is your problem because it is your dollar, your currency provided by your Federal Reserve. Why are there not people standing in front of the Federal Reserve demanding answers and holding signs up one quadrillion dollars? Where does inflation come from? You think it's all government spending collectively since the Fed started emergency lending operations in September of 2019 and note for you conspiracy theorists out there. September of 2019 was five full months before there was a single positive covid case in the U.S. And we were talking about it in September of 2019. The foreign banks have collectively borrowed six trillion dollars from the Federal Reserve. Now, here's the funny thing. Six trillion dollars has already gone out. One quadrillion dollars. If the Federal Reserve decides to lend Credit Suisse another five hundred billion dollars today or tomorrow to bail itself out of whatever mess it's in. You. The one who's actually paying for this, you won't know for another two years because under Dodd-Frank, you know, the one that was going to fix everything, the Fed's reporting requirements now allow for a two-year delay. So if we are bailing out Germany and Switzerland today, make sure you tune into this show on October 4th, 2024 to find out what it costs you. This is the best of the Glenn Beck Program. Chad, welcome to the program, sir. How are you? Good. Is this Glenn? Yes, you're on. How are you, hey, sir? How are you? I'm good. I'm good. Thanks for having me on, Glenn. You bet. Where are you right now? I am down in the in the Woodlands, Texas. So, okay. Good. So, good. Good. You're home. Uh, um, I saw you about four weeks ago, and you had just come from the front lines uh, over in Ukraine. And I said, what are you seeing? And you said, well, I'm not seeing really any significant American relief. And I'm not, no. And that was the same on this trip, Glenn. And it's really, it's it's not only sad and unfortunate, it's, uh, it, it needs to be addressed. I mean, uh, there is no congressional oversight on this money. This money is going into a black hole. And uh, in any country in the world, it would be bad. You would, you would, you would, it would be bad. I mean, people are people and, uh, and governments are corrupt and it's going to end up where it shouldn't. And the money's not ending up where it's going. It's U.S. taxpayers' dollars, billions of dollars. And not only that, the, the, it's, it's being sent because it's needed. It's needed to save lives and, uh, and, and restore humanity, and it's not being used for that. So do you think that's us, or do you think that's them, or a combination of the two? I think it's a combination of the two. You know, uh, I've been getting a lot of slack from people, like, why are you over in Ukraine helping? Ukraine's a corrupt country. I'm like, well, you know where else is corrupt? Washington, D.C. Uh, and, and uh, you know, governments are corrupt around the world. Certainly, uh, Ukraine has had a history of corruption. Uh, 
uh, and uh, it's been a hotbed of money laundering and things like that. But so is Washington D.C. and and uh, the fact that this money is not being audited or, or accounted for or or, or uh, you know has any kind of uh, oversight uh, just leaves room for corruption both in Ukraine and Washington D.C. and uh, and, and I don't think it's I think it would not be difficult at all. We have an embassy back in Ukraine now. It would not be difficult to have correct congressional oversight over these funds and make sure they go to the right place. Uh, it's needed. The month I, I do believe. The money is needed there. I know there's not everyone agrees with that, but you know we have. I believe we should be supporting these people, not in the in a realm of the money that we are giving them. Uh, I think that was too big of a blank check, and uh, you know a lot can be done with a lot less money. Oh, yeah. But it actually has to get to where it belongs. And uh, and you know I, I just as Mighty Oaks and you know Mercury One, you guys helped us uh, help us financially, Glenn, and and we just brought twenty thousand dollars in medical supplies to special operations on the front line. When I say medical supplies. IFACs, individual first aid kits to go into troops because they don't have them. And they're like, please give us anything. So not only did we bring $20,000 worth of IFACs to give this special forces unit, but we brought a ER trauma doctor who trains Army Special Forces medics. We brought him with us to teach them how to use that. Mm. And that's something that we did. We did that trip for maybe it cost us $40,000 to do that trip. You know, and that was, they were so thankful for that. They were like, that's life-saving training that we were able to give them. And uh, meanwhile, you know, billions of dollars isn't reaching them. Why can't you know those billions of dollars go to things like that? Yeah, because it's going through government um, and uh, and dirty hands uh, every step of the way. You're also delivering something else along with the medical care, are you not? That's right. We, um, you know, Mighty Oaks does. We for U.S. service members, we've done over you know over four hundred thousand active duty U.S. service members with our spiritual resiliency program. And in 2016, we decided to bring this to our allied troops around the world. We went to Ukraine before in 2017 and 2018 to do this. And so now we're back there on the front lines. And we go there. We'll, a typical day will be we'll give them some classes that are non-lethal aid, like bailout procedures for the personal safety, medical classes. We'll give them uh, resources and supplies. And then we'll give them resources that are spiritual. We give, we give out the audio Bible sticks to them and some other uh, resources to help work on their mental and spiritual health. And at the end of the day, once we build that rapport with them all day, we're able to talk to them veteran to veteran, combat veteran to combat veteran, peer to peer about spiritual resiliency and mental resiliency. That way they can stay in the fight to protect their homes and their families and, and uh, their freedom. And, uh, you know, we, we know from our experience uh, as warfighters and, you know, after 20 years of war that we just went through, that there's a lot of things you can have on the battlefield, but nothing's more essential than having a strong spiritual foundation. Uh, and and uh, we are able to share the gospel of Christ, you know, with these guys. Um, Chad, tell me about the the war crimes uh, that you witnessed. You know, I, I've been seeing this since February, since we've been going there, Glenn. But nothing worse than the last few trips, uh, because I'm getting further. I'm getting more into the front lines. I just was in a Zoom. I was two hours east of a Zoom, which is pretty much Russia, and uh, and that had been occupied for six months. And uh, and some of the areas we saw, and I'll, I'll get to the mass graves, but. One of the things that I think is important to know is every, I'm not exaggerating when I say this, every home, every hospital, every school, every structure, the, it's, almost, it's almost impressive as, as somebody that's been in combat, impressive to say they hit every single structure. Uh, and these aren't military targets. These are civilians. Uh, by the way, we're showing that's... some videos on uh, Blaze TV right now. Some of them are graphic, so uh, look away. But I've seen these um, earlier, uh, and the apartment buildings. Yeah. The, the apartment buildings there. I mean, what you're saying is, is true. There's really nothing left. 
nothing. It's it's all rubble. And you say that's they're, different they're than than usual in in wars like this. Absolutely. I mean, you. I mean, I mean, even the Taliban isn't this brutal. I mean, the, the Taliban attacks civilians. You know, it's terrorism. They want to they want to in, in, intimidate people. But this is an intimidation. This is. I mean, you're talking like those. Some of those buildings in the videos you've seen look like two buildings. It's one building. It's a five-story building blown out to the ground, and this was women and children and civilians living in it. And this wasn't one that was accidental. This is every apartment building in the area had airdrop airdropped missile right into the roof of that apartment building that blew it to the ground and killed thousands of civilians. And this isn't being reported. I'm happy you're allowing me to to give this news right now, but it's not being reported. And uh, and then you know you so. This is again. This is not. This is not a collateral damage. This is not, uh, you know, indiscriminate fire. This is direct targeting of civilian uh, complexes and, and civilians, which is a war crime. And you know, in, in the international courts, uh, the, the ICC, the International Criminal Court, and the UN uh, needs to be stepping in because this is not should never be allowed, uh, regardless of Ukraine, Russia, political sides. Like who? None of that. This should never be allowed in this point of our civilization to attack civilians this way. And uh, and after we spent the day, uh, I spent, I was with uh, uh, the chief Vadim, who's the chief of the entire uh, law enforcement for all of Ukraine. He'd be like over, essentially over like the FBI, uh, CIA, everything uh, for all of Ukraine. And he was sent there by the government to make sure they secured a Zoom after they recaptured it. So we were with him as I drove to meet him, Myself and my partner are driving in this in this combat area to meet him, and two MiG fighters flew over. They did a gun run, dropped bombs over. I've been in a lot of war zones and never had air air uh, enemy air over us. I mean, we always controlled the air, so that was kind of a pretty cra- crazy uh, scenario for me. We had a hind helicopter fly by. We get to the front. We're we're uh, with them while they're fighting. There's we're getting shelled and rocketed within 100 meters of us, and the small arms fire. And uh, you probably seen some of the videos I sent with. You know, we probably counted about. I probably counted about 60 Russian soldiers. They were like 18, 19, 20 years old. Uh, it's sad to know that many of them probably don't even know why they were there, and uh, they were dead or dying. And one of the things I did see the Ukrainians as we were moving forward, and they were they were dying Russian soldiers. They were rendering aid. And uh, and that shows who's the good guys, because these guys are rendering aid. Meanwhile, these Russians had occupied their homes and killed their family members for six months. And the Ukrainians are still rendering aid. I thought that was that really stood out to me. Who's on the right side? I want to play a clip uh, from you out on the field where you're talking about mass graves. Here it is. This area is uh, one thousand and two hundred People were missing from this area. They found uh, 1,100 bodies uh, in this area, and they were burned uh, before the buried. So try, you could tell they tried to destroy the evidence of the mass killings. Most of the people, were their hands were tied, uh, some in front of their backs, some behind their backs, um, in executed style. So we're not just talking about ballistic missiles and, and shelling, uh, which we've seen. I've seen uh, firsthand driving through cities that are just leveled to rubble, uh, civilian targets, civilian neighborhoods. Uh, but we're talking beyond that just uh, with indirect fire. And, and uh, uh, this is not uh, uh, indiscriminate fire because you know, we drove through areas and me and my teammate are driving through like they strategically hit every structure, every house, every building, every school, every hospital. Uh, but now beyond that, they're once they take these areas they're bringing these civilians out here in the woods 
tying their hands behind their back uh, and, and executing them, burning their bodies to hide the evidence, putting them in mass graves. You saw these people with their hands tied behind their backs in the, you saw this yourself? I saw it myself, Glenn. Yeah. And, uh, and, you know, uh, there were, there were two mass graves that we were brought to. One was 474 people. They counted specifically to others estimated about 1100 people and mostly all, all civilians, mostly because the, most of the men would have been out fighting. Most of them were women, a lot of children. And it, it appeared, it appeared what they were using the graves for. When I say 1100 people, I don't think they killed 1100 people one time, but I think over six months they did was, you know, as they arrested people, they brought them there, um, you know, probably bound and handcuffed and then, and then would kill them on that side, just push them in as a place of disposal. That's, that would be my, I don't have evidence of that, but that'd be my interpretation of from what I saw uh, it happen. And then as Ukraine came in and tried to, and it was retaking that area and it appeared they tried to burn the bodies to maybe hide the evidence, but you know, burning bodies is harder than it sounds. You got to use a lot of fuel. And, and so then they tried to bury it and then they, they vacated the area. They, they, when I say they vacated, they must've left in a hurry because they left 74 tanks in this area. Chad, what, so what do we, what do we do? You know, this to me, Glenn, this is a, this only gets worse. Either it, Russia's losing. Uh, so I think Putin has to show strength. So I think the only scenarios is that he's going to escalate and do something uh, radical, even more radical than this. Uh, or, you know, you have the other scenarios. You have uh, Zelensky, who can't, because Zelensky, in the eyes of Ukraine, they're winning. And uh, and as they're winning, you can't, he's not going to go to the negotiation table. So it would also require Putin to do something that would force him to the negotiation table. But I think what, what we could do as a world, and I don't mean as America, but as a world, is, is NATO needs to accept Ukraine in the, in the NATO. Or and or the UN and the International Criminal Court needs to recognize these war crimes and these uh, human rights violations and hold, hold Putin accountable. And uh, that's what the UN's for. That's what, that's what the International Criminal Court is for, uh, for these exact scenarios. But we're not seeing them take action. So what we could do, uh, you and I, is exactly what we're doing right now, uh, is, is exposing this. Um, I, I believe if I would have not leaked this information to Fox, if, they would have, if I would have reported it, right to uh, the United States government, or it would have been swept away because they don't want it to be known because if it's known, then they have to do something about it. And uh, so we need to, you know, make sure that he's reporting from the front lines. Uh, You know, unfortunately, journalists can't make it to these, a lot of these areas because it's it's so volatile. And, and uh, I get that, but the reporting needs to be, needs to be, it needs to be exposed. And, uh, and, you know, our government needs to be held accountable for these billions of dollars so that Ukraine could, if we are going to give, if our government's going to decide to give this money, then it needs to go where it belongs. Again, I you think you and I both agree that this much money is makes the problem worse. Uh, but, um, you know, if we are going to give it, then, then give it and have good oversight. Uh, if, if we're going to have an international criminal court system, then, then use it for times like this. The UN, this is what it's for. This is what the UN's for. And, uh, you know, I also believe NATO, at this point, NATO should accept Ukraine. And by the way, in the last, I think, just a couple of days ago, President Zelensky uh, applied again for um, for Ukraine to be accepted into NATO. Chad, uh, thank you so much for doing everything that you do. I, I know your heart is in the right place. I know who you serve. Uh, and um, I can't imagine what this does for somebody who went through PTSD to be over there again and seeing these things. Uh, so I appreciate your service. Um, to him and to us. So thank you so much, Chad. 
Thank you again. God, God bless, and thanks for all your support, too. Uh, we couldn't do it without you. You got it. The Mighty Oaks Foundation, he's the founder and CEO, co-founder of Save Our Allies. Uh, you can follow him uh, at Save Our Allies or SaveOurAllies.org. You're listening to the best of the Glenn Beck program. Max Lucado is with us now. Max, how are you? It's great to see you, Glenn. It's what good to a see treat. you. Thank you. Um, Max says he's a guy who writes books for people who uh, don't read books. Um, and those people um, uh, read a lot of his books. 96 million copies of his books are in print, 56 languages worldwide. Um, he had just started a new podcast with a global pandemic. He started a video uh, check-in, a daily video check-in. More than uh, that, that check-in is more than 42 million times people have checked in with it. And he now has his Encouraging Word podcast, which is one of the top podcasts in religion and self-help. Um, and he's here because he has a new book called Help Is Here. Max and I were just talking off the air, and I want you to know as a listener, um, I think what Max is going to outline is um, vitally important. I don't believe in coincidence. I have told you for a very long time that there's going to come a time when you're going to be you're going to need the spirit so close and you listen to the spirit so closely that when it says stop, turn around you will stop, turn around, and go the other way. I've said that for 15 years. Yesterday, I told you that time is here. Yesterday, I think four times on the show, which is an unusual number for me, unless I really want to make sure people hear it. Uh, yesterday, I said, you will not survive. You will not survive what is coming without the constant companion of the Holy Spirit. That's unusual for a public broadcaster to say, but I know it to be true. Something I didn't know yesterday, because we booked this maybe a month or two ago, that Max was coming, and I knew he was coming with a book. And as I'm doing my show prep, I realize what the book is about. Help is here. Finding fresh strength and purpose in the power of the Holy Spirit. Welcome, Max. I think you're supposed to be here today. <laughs> I'm just so excited, Glenn. Uh, number one, I'm always excited to see you. I Thank admire you. you, hold you in highest esteem, and deeply, deeply appreciate you. Thank you. I uh, think you're such a crucial voice in our society. And thank you for not giving up and mm. for not throwing in the towel. Nope. No, nope, that ain't going to happen. It's not going to happen. Yeah, so thank you. Yeah. Thank you. And I'm just happy to be here to see you and, and to discuss the, the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit. So it's weird because, as you said, you didn't say God. You didn't say Jesus. You said the Holy yeah, Spirit. Yeah. Define what the Holy Spirit mm -hmm. is. Yeah, well, the Holy Spirit is the living presence of God on our planet today. The Holy Spirit uh, executes the will of God, just as Jesus did when Jesus was on the earth, and just as God the Father does 
primarily but prior to Christ, and then Christ executed that will, and now the Holy Spirit is executing that will. It's not quite that tidy. Yeah, yeah, right. You know, there's always yeah, yeah. overlap that our little minds cannot conceive of. But it, but it also it verifies truth. Yes. Yes, and the Holy Spirit will lead us into all truth. That was the promise of Christ. Uh, the Holy Spirit is here to strengthen us, uh, to convict us, to challenge us, to comfort us, to heal us. And uh, I think where you and I align so closely is that as we look back, especially over the last two or 300 years uh, of, of the world history and then the 300 years of our nation's history, there have been seasons in which we desperately needed societal renewal. And those seasons came, Glenn, as a result of an outpouring of the Holy Spirit, not as a result of a new policy, a new president, Correct. or a different change of leadership, but there was or a even sovereign. A ch- even a church. Even a church, absolutely. Or not pastors. Yeah. But there was a supernatural, we'd look at the first great awakening, the second great awakening, even the Jesus movement Correct. that we recall from mm-hmm. the late 60s or mid 60s into the early 70s. There are these occasions in which God in his sovereignty says, I'm going to rescue my people. And it's always right in the midst of or toward the end of a time of, of desperation. And I think that's what you're saying. We're desperate in need of a help. So when I say, because it's definitely a prompting, um, you don't survive without it. And I've described it this way for 15 years, maybe Mm -hmm. 20 years. Describe to somebody who's not all familiar with this, what does that mean? Mm When you say you don't survive without him, you are spot on. And and just just quickly, statistically, we see this, right? Uh, Anxiety is off the charts. The loneliest generation ever recorded is the millennial generation. Uh, About 24% say they have zero friends. During the season of life, you should have an abundance of friends and building families for the future. One out of four saying, I don't even have a friend. The most alarming statistic is that suicides are up 33% uh, since 1999, the highest they have been since World War II. And so... I think you're spot on, Glenn, and which we're we're in the midst of a devastation, but it has come kind of gradually. Mm-hmm. You know, we still go out to dinner, we still get up and get our kids off to school. It's not like a bomb has gone off, but really, it has. It has a bomb has dropped upon us, and 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 people are either taking their lives or they're checking out emotionally all around us, and 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 we're not aware of it, and so it's an insidious attack that we're feeling. It's stealth. It's quiet. Uh, it would almost be easier if we had, you know, an invader crossing oh, our shores. Oh, it would be much easier. Yeah, because then we'd Look at the difference up. between 9-11 yeah. and yeah. today. Yeah. But now we're battling lethargy. We're battling depression. We're battling infidelity. And it's really taking its toll on us. So, but to answer your, your question, this is the time that the Holy Spirit loves to flourish. And the Holy Spirit comes as that invisible presence of God, wherever he is invited to bring about healing and wholeness and fresh starts. 
And this is really what we need. And this was the promise of Christ on the night before his crucifixion. He said, I must leave so that the Holy Spirit can come. In other words, what you have had in me in the form of a physical body in the presence of a Messiah, I'm going to leave so that everybody from now on all over the planet can receive that same presence and power. You have written um, during the pandemic that, and I want to quote this, let this observation be included in the history books. We did not know how to pray. Yeah. What does that mean? Well, we didn't. Uh, you mentioned that during the pandemic, I took on a, a job of a daily podcast, and, and at the end of each podcast, invited people to post their prayer needs, and we would read over, we being my team, would read over those prayer needs. Uh, they came from you know Connecticut to Cambodia, from all mm. over the world. By far and away, the most common statement was, I'm so discouraged, I don't know how to pray or I'm so weary, I can't find the words, or all I can do is sigh. Uh, I think that's important because in the conversation about the Holy Spirit, one of his assignments is he takes our prayers and presents them before the tribunal of heaven. He takes our groans, our utterings. The Apostle Paul said, we do not know that for which we should pray, and we really don't. I mean, do we pray for healing or for heaven? Do we pray for deliverance uh, or do we pray for uh, uh, e even death if you're a prisoner? You know, mm -hmm. we don't know exactly how to weather these storms. The power of the Holy Spirit is that he takes when Glenn or Max can't even utter the right prayer. The Holy Spirit says, I'm, I'm, I take over. And I take that prayer and I take it and I present it before the, the presence of God in heaven which I find so encouraging because that reminds me that the real power of prayer doesn't depend upon the way I pray or even I who pray, but upon the one who hears the prayer. Mm -hmm. And that's what brings strength and, and help to people during tough times. All right, so I pray differently than I think a lot of people pray. I just, I just talk to them, and I can be doing anything, but I'm just talking to them, and, mm -hmm. uh, and you know, it's, it's, it's a very informal uh, kind of prayer, but I see him as my buddy, mm -hmm. um, also mm -hmm. my sovereign uh, mm -hmm. as well. So different times, different things. But um, when it comes to the spirit, um, sometimes the way I, I know when the spirit is communicating what I have to do, it's clear to me when it is something I really don't want to do. You know, hey, uh, no, I don't think that's right. No, I got it. I got it. That that little voice of ah, that's probably not right is the prompt. I think is the promptings of the spirit. Yes. When I'm lazy or or I just want it to go my way. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Um, so uh, how does the how does the um, how can the average person get that? It doesn't have that feeling yet how can they tell the difference between their voice and the spirit's voice because that's hard sometimes it is it is and i know i know uh you're the one asking questions but i'm so fascinated by your fascination 
with the Holy Spirit. Why? I, I, I don't know. I, I just didn't expect us to be having this uh, candid of a conversation. Mm. And so I, I'd love to know your history. Uh, I can give you a, a two-minute answer to your question. Sure. But at some point, I'd love to know. I bet that everybody would love I'll to know. I'll give you two minutes. Then. Okay. You okay. give me the first two. Okay. So here, here's the key. Voice and verse are the two words that work for me. Uh, the Holy Spirit speaks through the verse, speaks through Scripture. When, as a preacher used to tell me as a boy growing up, when you open the Bible, God opens his mouth. Yeah. And I think there's truth in that. Yeah. Uh, for that reason, I do think it's important for every person to spend time with an open Bible and an open heart every day. Uh, I know sometimes it's hard to understand the Bible, but I do believe that the Holy Spirit will help us. What's the- amazing is when it's happening. Mm-hmm. Um, you know it because you know you'll it. understand it in a different way. Mm-hmm. You'll read something you've read maybe a thousand times, That's and you right. go, oh, "Oh, wait a minute!" Or yeah, yeah. Or or that scripture will be deposited in your mind or in your heart, mm-hmm. and as you're going through the day, the Holy Spirit will bring that scripture Correct. to mind Correct. and say, "Remember what you read this morning. I'm with you always, even yeah. to the end of the age." Oh, okay, you were saying that to me. Yes. And so the verse, and then also the voice. I really believe that since you have the Holy Spirit dwelling inside you, then you are a holy person on earth. And uh, the voice you hear, and I know that phrase, the voices that we hear, we, yeah, we, yeah, we, yeah. we play with it. Everybody but, knows it. But, but we've got these voices that say, wait a second, be careful, or watch what you're saying, or press forward, or green light, you, you, you get these, the Holy Spirit uh, requisitions our thought process and begins to guide us. Now, the Holy Spirit will never, through an inner voice, say something that will contradict with the verse. Mm-hmm. So the verse always mm-hmm. outranks the voice. But there are those times in which the voice and the verse work together, and that voice you hear inside you or that verse you've read today, they come together and you say, okay, there's God guiding me. There's God guiding me. Uh, People are, I think, often unaware of the promise of Scripture that God will guide us. You don't have to go through this life without a GPS. You'll screw, I did. You'll screw your life up six ways to Sunday Mm. until you just go, all right. Yeah. All right, I, 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 you know, I spent my whole life going, I got it, I got it, <laughs> until you realize I ain't got you it. I ain't got it. I ain't, I ain't got, got it. it. Never um, stronger than that moment. Yeah. Tell, can you give us a little context as to your um, history? I was, um, I was desperate for forgiveness, and I got baptized, and, uh, and uh, it's true. I mean, it, it, my whole life changed on that day. Whole wow. life changed on that day. And I got married to a wonderful woman. And um, uh, she called me one morning and uh, she said, I'm in a, I was just in a car accident. Come get me. And she hung up the phone. This is before we had cell phones. We couldn't afford a cell sure. phone. So we didn't have cell phones. Um, and, and I said, I'll be right there. Click. Hung up the phone. Where? <laughs> Where? Where are you? And I, I'm praying about it. I got to get there. I got to get there. And immediately I knew exactly where she was, but I was new with the spirit mm. and I knew better. 
And so I kept driving that way. And I'm like, no, it's too far. It can't be. And I turn around and I'd go back and I'd go another way. She must be on this street. She must be on this street. And all the whole time. Keep going. Keep Mm -hmm. going. I got onto the highway. I went through a toll Mm -hmm. and I drove about, I don't know, 100 feet. And I went, this is too far. She wouldn't have been this far. And I turn around. As it turns out, she was about 200 feet ahead. Mm. And after that experience, I really realized there is no such thing as a coincidence, A. So stop saying it's a Mm -hmm. coincidence. And B... Mm. If you listen and don't reject it, that voice will become strong. It wants to help you. Amen. It wants mm-hmm. to help you. That's true. And it will speak to your mm-hmm. life and mm-hmm. help you on things mm-hmm. that are beyond your understanding. Also, the little things, too, mm-hmm. but the things beyond your understanding. Da, da, da.